and welcome to the Greater Than Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have already overcome them, for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Join us as we have different guests and topics that address what's going on in our world and culture from a biblical perspective to find and remind ourselves that greater is he on the inside of us than he that is in the world. Hey guys, welcome back to Greater Than Podcast. Listen, uh, we've got a special uh, episode here and and I'm excited about uh, this topic because this is a topic that once again doesn't get talked about as much, Uh, but I believe it'll be a blessing. You you see the title, you're reading it right, The Four Horsemen and the Four Faces, and I'm excited about this. I believe the Lord is going to help us. Let's pray and we'll jump right on in. But before we do that, if you haven't yet, uh, please leave a review of the podcast on your favorite platform, whatever platform that may be, uh, whether it's Apple Podcasts. I think Spotify now has a thing where you can um, rate uh, the podcast. So if you can do that, that'd be a blessing. It just helps us get the word out uh, about the podcast and what a blessing it's been. Thank you for everyone who uh, is joining in, who's listening. And thanks for, to all of those who support the podcast. You are a friend, uh, not only to Greater Than Podcast, but also to Merle Ministries International as uh, Greater Than Podcast is an arm of uh, MMI. So I'm so thankful for you. Let's pray. Let's get into it. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Father, we say we're thankful. Uh, you said in your word that those who their understanding was darkened, one of the key components of that was that they were unthankful. So, Father, we don't want our understandings darkened. So we come in with thanksgiving. We thank you, Father, for your word, for the anointing. It's the anointing that teaches. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. We're not looking to a man. We're not looking to a, what a man knows. We're looking to you and to the person of your Holy Spirit. Uh, we say, speak, Lord, for your servants and your sons and daughters here in Jesus name. Amen. All right, let's get into it. Matthew 24, starting in verse three here, it says, now as he sat, talking about Jesus on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. Uh, notice that's the first thing he says. Watch out that you don't get deceived. Uh, For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. He says, see that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet for a nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famine, the pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Uh, Jesus says here in the beginning of this, many will come in my name uh, and will deceive many. The first sign of the end times is a presence of false teachings <laughs> and the appearance of the false of the false Christ. Now listen to this. Uh, anything that does not point to Christ, but instead points to our own efforts, to our own abilities, you know, to uh, watch this, e- even things that point to self-help. Uh-oh. It's false. Anything like that is is false. Anything that does not point you to Jesus as the way to experience God as a father. Now, you could go at the end of this thing and experience God as a judge. Now, you know, I'm not, listen, I'm not a fan of that. You want to go into the courtroom knowing that the judge is also your dad. Uh, Jesus is the only way to experience that, God as the father. And you can have great boldness in the day of judgment. 
when you enter in by this new and living way. But anything that doesn't point to Christ, anything that doesn't point to what he has done, anything that points to our own effort, our own ability is false. He says, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars and see that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Uh, there'll be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows or uh, birth pangs, you could say as well. Uh, he says, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. The second sign of the end times is war. I wonder if that's relevant today with things that have been going on. Uh, the second sign of the end times is war. While there will be a physical physical wars, another form of war, though, not not just physical. Watch this. Watch me now. Another form of war is strife in our daily lives. Strife in our relationships, quarrels between spouses, children, etc. I wonder if that applies to us today. I wonder if we've seen a lot of strife in these last few years. Not just in our personal lives and relationships, but anytime we uh, open our phone, anytime we pull up Instagram and Facebook, I wonder if we're seeing strife. Cancel culture is another, you know, another word for cancel culture, strife, quarrels, foolishness. Well, let, let's keep going. Then he says there'll be famines. The third sign of the end times is, is famine. This refers to literal famines that we can see happening around the world. Uh, and also in our daily life, famine refers to any kind of lack that we may see in our personal lives. Famines. Pestilence and earthquakes. This is the last sign of the end times. And this is disease and death. Have we seen any pestilence and, and earthquakes here lately? God, here in Revelation, we've been in Revelation here a little bit more in these last few episodes that um, uh, we had the episode, obviously, what to do if you miss the rapture. I tell you, one of these days, that one will be essential. Uh, and then we had uh, Professor Chris Palmer kind of pointed some things out in Revelation as well when we were talking about suffering, triumph and, and winks from Scripture uh, here in, in Revelation 6 and starting in verse 1. Now I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with the voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked and behold, watch this now, a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. He sat on, he, he sat on this horse and he had a bow. Um, we're talking about the these four horsemen this is the first one and um let's break this down the four horsemen you know i gotta throw this in here because of how i was raised you know uh, a lot of people don't know my um my natural father at one point at one point in his life he thought about being a professional wrestler uh, a lot of people don't know that uh he, he he thought about doing that he even had a name for that he would that he was going to go by, you know, starting out. They probably would have changed it as he got up the ranks because they always seem to change names. Uh, but he was. He was looking at becoming a wrestler. He was actually going to go to Aaron and Olin Anderson's uh, wrestling school. Uh, for those who, who maybe don't know who that is, um, Aaron and Olin. Uh, and Ole, Ole or Olin? I, I may be butchering that name. Excuse me there. Uh, Anderson. They were a part of a wrestling group known as the Four Horsemen. And uh, the the leader of this group, the, mo the most outspoken, the, the most charismatic and one of the greatest wrestlers of all time uh, was Ric Flair. Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Woo! The Nature Boy! <laughs> like it or not, 
you'd have to learn to love it. Now, um, anyway, that's the the school that my dad was going to go to to learn how to wrestle was under um, Olin and Arn Anderson, um, who were a part of the Four Horsemen. But when we're talking about the Four Horsemen, we're not talking about Nature Boy, Ric Flair, and those guys. No, we're we're talking about the Four Horsemen revealed in Scripture. And excuse me there if my if my woo. I caught you off guard, but uh, let's continue going here and let's go back here in Revelation 6 and get back in the spirit, amen? Here in Revelation, let's get back here and start in verse 6, verse 6, chapter uh, 1, excuse me, chapter 6, verse 1. Ric Flair's got me all discombobulated. Now I saw a lamb open one of the seals and I heard one of the living four, uh, excuse me, four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked and behold, a white horse and he who sat on it had a bow. And a crown was given to him, and he went on conquering and to conquer. He said he sat on a horse and he had a bow. This rider on the on the white horse here had a bow. Watch this, though, but no arrow. I'm going to say that again. We can read from this scripture that this, uh, this, this spirit, we could say, actually, a uh, rider on this white horse had a bow, but no arrow. This shows that he had the form, but not the substance. The missing arrow represents the word of God. This means that the rider on the white horse is a false teacher who gives false impressions and lies about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says here that a crown was given to him. Uh, The Greek word translated crown in the Greek is now this is going to be this may blow your mind, but this look it up for yourself. The Greek word for the uh, crown here is Corona. This could imply that the coronavirus would cause a lot of false teachings to emerge. Uh, And the reason I say stuff now, let me pause stuff like that. I don't normally say that, you know, because people say, well, this is in the Bible. What what's going on right now is in the Bible. Now, the only reason why I bring this up, because the Greek word is Corona, but also at the same token, I'm bringing this up because during the coronavirus, I'm telling you what I have seen is a spike in false teaching. Look it up for yourself. These teachings, which have been causing people a lot of fear, the teachings that are causing people fear, that's not from God. The word of God produces faith, not fear. Accurate teachings from God will not cause you to be fearful. It'll cause you to be full of faith. The rider in the white horse, he, it's, the, it's the Antichrist. Uh, this is a false teacher. <laughs> uh, let's go on reading here. And it says, when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come and see another horse. Fiery red went out. This is fiery red. This is a red horse. Uh, and, it, and it was granted to the one who sat on him to take peace from the earth and that the people should kill one another. And there was given him a great sword. When he says take peace from the earth, the rider on the red horse represents the evil spirits that bring war in our daily lives. Uh, they're ones who bring war. Just like what we're hearing about in the news, but also in our daily lives, these attacks come in in the form of strife, divisions and misunderstandings between or among people. So the rider on the red horse represents war or strife. Let's keep going here in Revelation uh, chapter, same chapter six and verse five. And then he opened the third seal. I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, uh, a quart of wheat for a denarius 
and three quarts of barley for denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. Uh, let's break this down. A pair of scales in his hands. The pair of scales represent lack. <laughs> this spirit brings uh, famine and lack. If you're suffering from lack, it's more likely than not you're under attack by this spirit. Oh, but take heart. God's giving you the answer. The rider on the black horse represents lack. The, the, the Now let's keep going here. Verse seven. Then he opened the fourth scroll. And I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come and see. And I looked and behold, a pale horse and the name who sat on it was death and Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death and by the beast of the earth. When it says pale, the Greek pale horse in the Greek, this word pale uh, refers to a, a pale green or the color of death. Um, the rider on the pale horse is the spirit that brings death. Now, let's back this up uh, with what we said. Let's back up to Matthew 24. Jesus said in Matthew 24, signs of the times, there'd be false teachers, right? He said that there'd be wars and there'd be strife. He said there'd be famine and there'd be lack. He said there'd be pestilence, earthquakes, disease, and death. Revelation 6 John sees into the spirit and he sees a rider on the white horse, which what did that represent? Well, that represents false teaching. He saw a rider on the red horse. What does that represent? Well, that represents wars and strife. He saw a rider on the black horse. What does that represent? That represents famine and lack. And he saw a rider on a pale green horse that represents pestilence, earthquakes, disease, and death with God's revelations. We can be alert about what the devil is trying to do in our lives. He'll try to deceive you with false teachings. He'll try to bring strife into your relationships. He'll try to bring lack, sickness, and death. Not only can we be aware of them, but praise God, we can overcome them. Oh, I'm so, oh, this is a good podcast episode already, man. Revelation 4, verse 6 and 7. I got to move on. You have to listen quick. Pause me if I'm moving too fast. Do what you got to do, but I got to move quick. I don't want to hold you too long. Revelation 4, 6 through 7, behold the throne, uh, before the throne, excuse me there, there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature, like a calf. The third living creature had the face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. <laughs> Somebody say, well, how in the world and why, Elijah, are you getting excited about the, the, the lion, a calf, of the face like a man and a flying eagle? Well, you, let's break it down. The title of the podcast is The Four Horsemen. Watch this, though, and The Four Faces. This is talking about and revealing unto us Jesus. Let's start it off with the lion. Uh, you know, the, the book of... Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John reveal these four faces that are, well, let's break it down. Let's break it down. Jesus as the lion. That's talking about Jesus as king, the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus being king. Uh, Matthew 4, 17 says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, watch this part now, for the kingdom. 
right, of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven, the gospel of Matthew portrays Jesus as the king uh, through its explanations of how Jesus uh, brought us uh, into the kingdom of God through expounding this to us. Uh, this gospel also begins, watch this, with Jesus's genealogy. You know, we, you know, where those names are that you are hard to pronounce and things like that. It's uh, that's why it's there, because the, this is telling us that his line is a line of a king. That's why Matthew starts that way. And this is where we hear son of David. It shows his pedigree as a king. The lion is a is a symbol of Jesus's kingship since he <laughs> since the lion is the king of the beast. The lion reveals that. And Matthew, the book of Matthew reveals Jesus as a lion, a king. He talks about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. It's all throughout the book of Matthew. The calf. This is Jesus as a servant. In Mark 1 verse 10, it says, and immediately coming up from the water, talking about Jesus. Immediately, uh, we see this word appear many times in the, in the gospel of Mark. Uh, other words like straight away. And suddenly also appear indicating that Jesus was consistently serving tirelessly. <laughs> I like that. He was consistently serving tirelessly in this gospel. Jesus is portrayed as an ox or one who is strong to labor. The man Luke reveals Jesus as the man. Uh, and as a man, uh, we see here in Luke five twenty four, it says, but you will make, excuse me, but that you may know that watch this. Now, the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. The son of man, this uh, phrase appears most often in the gospel of Luke, where Jesus is betrayed as fully God, yet fully man. John three records Jesus's uh, entire lineage going all the way back. Watch this to Adam. The first man. And remember, Jesus is referred to as the second and last Adam. Now, let's look at Jesus as an eagle. That's Jesus as God. And of course, in John uh, 1, verse 1, and it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And of course, skipping down to verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh. The word was God and the word became flesh. <laughs> the gospel of John portrays Jesus as God. Uh, you know, this gospel does not record any ge genealogy, right? We don't see, you know, uh, both, you know, uh, who, who what's it? Jesse begat David, right? We don't see that in John. Why is that? Because the gospel of John portrays Jesus uh, as God. His deity is represented by the face of an eagle. Why is that? Because the eagle flies higher than any other bird. Oh, my good. In each of the four faces of Jesus, watch this. We find the answers to the attacks from the four horsemen. Ezekiel 1 verse 10 says this. As for the likeness of their faces, well, he's talking about these four horsemen. Or excuse me, he's talking about uh, the four faces of Jesus. As for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man. Each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side of each had the face of an ox and on the left side in each of the four had the face of an eagle. I'm reminded here of my uh, pastor in uh, Texas. When I was in Texas, he was he was my pastor, Pastor Robert Morris at Gateway Phenomenal Church and Ministry. I got had the honor and privilege of meeting him and and his lovely wife when I was working at Chick-fil-A. What a blessing, a story I'll never forget. But anyway, Pastor Robert, he's 
he's, he's famous for saying this. You know, a lot of times people say, I won't, I don't believe it in the Old Testament unless I see it in the New. Pastor Robert says, I do, I'll do you one better. I don't believe it in the New unless I see it in the Old. And that's what we see right here in the Old Testament is these four faces of Jesus. Uh, Ezekiel had a vision of heaven where the cherubims, the angels here, had the four faces of Jesus. And the position of these faces are, are very important uh, because they help us visualize the tabernacle of Moses where the uh, Israelites camped round about it. It gives us insight into the, how the four faces of Jesus counter the attacks that the enemy uh, brings against us. I want to talk about the tabernacle of Moses and then we'll begin to wrap this up. Uh, I want to read this again to you. Uh, well, let me read this to you, actually. The, the verse, uh, part B of Psalms 29, verse 9. And in his temple, everything says glory. And in his temple, everything says glory. Uh, in this psalm, the psalmist David was referring to the tabernacle of Moses and not the, ta the temple of Solomon. We know this because the temple wasn't built and uh, David would, wouldn't be alive to, to see a lot of these things take place. Um, there are secrets that, are in, that we can un uncover as we study the tabernacle. We're talking about a Moses. We're not talking about Solomon. Uh, every part of it points to Jesus and his glory. Now, in the time of Moses, the children of Israel camped outside the tabernacle according to the banner that belonged to their tribe. We, we all know and remember that there are 12 tribes that are of Israel, right? So they would camp out uh, outside the tabernacle in groups of three, or in groups of threes, with three uh, tribes on each side of the tabernacle. If you actually, if you look at this from an aerial view, the, the position of these uh, tribes form a cross. Isn't that interesting? It forms a cross representing the Lord Jesus and what he would do in his redemptive work. Uh, though each tribe had its own banner, they had its own little, you know, sigil, had its own sign, its own signature. Though they had their own banner, each side of the tabernacle had a leading tribe whose flags was displayed uh, inside. I know this is a lot of information. Like I said, uh, let me read this to you again. From an aerial view, the position of these uh, tribes formed a cross that represented Jesus. Each tribe had his own banner, and each side of the tabernacle had a leading tribe whose flags were displayed uh, instead. So we have uh, flags that would be displayed. So on the east was the emblem of Judah. And Judah, what's the, what's, the, what's the face of Judah? What's the banner of Judah? Well, Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. So the banner for Judah is a lion, the face of the lion. That's on the east. Say on the east. On the east, all right? So the east, what is that? Lion. So on the south, we have the emblem of Reuben, whose name means, watch this, see a son which was the face of a man. The, the, let me say it again. On the south was the emblem of Reuben, that tribe of Reuben, whose name means see a son, which was the face of a man. All right. So we got a lion and we got a face of a man. On the west was the, the emblem of Ephraim, which was the face of an ox. Come on now. And on the north was the, the emblem of Dan, which was the face of an eagle. These four faces represent the faces of Jesus around the tabernacle. 
Now, here's what he told him in Numbers 2 and verse 2. This is the NSV. They shall camp facing the tent of meeting. Watch this on every side. The tribes were all camped facing toward the tabernacle. In the natural, this was not the best position. It didn't make any sense to be in this way because um, when you face outwards, uh, that's where one could see the the enemy. If you were, it makes more sense to face outwards because you could see the enemy, right? But he wanted them to face the temple of meeting. They let me say it like this. He wanted them to face Jesus. The 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 children of Israel, uh, in they they set their set their faces toward the Lord. And notice that they were faced inwards. The faces of Jesus, watch this, were facing outwards. This is a picture of how people need to focus on Jesus, and then He's able to defend you. When you and I focus on Jesus, the Bible says that we can run this race and we can finish this course and we can have great joy. We can lay aside the weight. We can lay aside the sin that so easily besets us looking unto Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, our tent, that when we pinch our proverbial tent, when we, when we pitch this tent, I should say, when we do this, our tent needs to be facing Jesus. Not facing the problems, not facing what's going on. Watch this. The banners face the problem. The banners face what's going on that that, that seems contrary to the Oh, let me let me finish here. Notice that uh, they're facing inwards. They're focused on him and he defends them. Isaiah 58 verse 8 in the NSB says this. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. <laughs> But like I said, I, I referenced it earlier. Hebrews 12, 2 says that we run this way. We finish this course. We we are able to abide in this faith by looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of the faith. Let's look at the four horsemen here. We saw the four faces in the Old Testament. Remember what Pastor Robert Morris said. People say, I don't believe it in the New Testament unless I see it in the old. I'll do you one better. I don't believe it in the, the new unless I see it. In the old, I may have said that backwards. Let me say that again for <laughs> make sure I said that right. A lot of times people say, I don't believe it in the uh, Old Testament unless I see it in the new. Pastor Rob said, I'll do you one better. I don't believe it in the New Testament unless I see it in the old. The four horsemen here is told by the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah chapter six and verse one. Then I looked up again and saw four chariots coming from between two bronze mountains the first chariot was pulled, watch this now, by red horses. This is the New Living Translation. The second one by black horses. The third by f- white horses. And the fourth by powerfully uh, da- dappled gray horses. And what are these, my Lord? I asked the angel who was talking to me. Watch what the angel said in response. These are the four spirits of heaven who stand before the Lord of all earth. They're going out to do his work. The chariot with black horses, watch this, is going north. The chariot with white horses is going west. And the the chariot with the the dappled gray horses is going south. These are the four spirits of heaven, it says. Now, this doesn't mean that, that God is directing these evil spirits. It means that God allows these things to happen. He allows it to happen. Uh, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. We have to remember, we must remember that the heavens, the the earth, even the earth is, the heavens, even the heavens, excuse me there, are the Lord's, but the earth he's given to the children of men. We've got to remember that. 
uh, God in his sovereignty has turned some things over to mankind. And when mankind sins and rebels and goes against him and goes against the conscience that he put on the inside of all of us, that's the little, I like to say like this, the conscience is that little made in China. The, your conscience is the thing that's the evidence of God. Because how, how else can you know that this is right and this is wrong? How else can you be wired already to know, nah, that, that, that's wrong. To do that is wrong. But uh, God made every man good, but man has sent, sought out many evil inventions. The book of Ecclesiastes says, I believe, search that up. I can't do all of your studying for you. So when we say that these, these are four spirits of heaven, it doesn't mean that God's directing these evil spirits. Let's go ahead. God is, is sovereign, allowing things to happen see we 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 say god is sovereign and therefore everything that happens is his you know is his perfect will no it's not god is sovereign and in that sovereignty he allows things to happen but we can rest assured that those of us who have jesus our advocate who's in heaven speaking on our behalf <laughs> we can rest assured that victory is ours but notice what he says here the chariot with black horses is going north the chariot with white horses going west and the chariot that was gray is going south the white horse is going west the white horse this is this is false doctrine uh is attacking the east side of the tabernacle which is where the bronze altar and the the laver or the laver is found now what's the bronze altar the bronze altar here in the tabernacle is a picture of the cross of jesus and this uh, lav this laver laver however you want to pr pronounce it is a picture of being washed by the water of the word <laughs> oh my god the water of the word refers to christ centered doctrine the key to conquering false doctrine is the word of christ it is Ephesians 5, 26, that he can present to himself a bride uh, with the washing of the water by the word or the washing of the, the water in the sphere of the word, as one translation said. <laughs> this is good stuff. False teachings are teachers that put aside Jesus and his finished work, and they sound intelligent. They sound inspirational. They they appeal to your flesh and to the masses, uh, and they have all these great so so will what's the word I'm looking for so so will so will we, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, man. Y'all know what I was man. Listen, pray the spirit to big it up. I can't do all the things I tell you. That word will escape me. I, I think I know what I was trying to say, but I just don't know if I can say it. Y'all feel me? Uh, we'll put that in the blooper reel. Now what we're saying here is. They'll come up dressed up in their uh, nice theology that, that, you know, they've got the skinny jeans on. They've got, the, you know, they got the three piece suit on, whatever your preference is. And they come in spouting out these things. But it's, it's subtle. It, it's, it's not it doesn't have to do with Christ as much as it has to do with you, as much as it has to do with how you can feel better and how you can uh, fulfill what you want to do and how you and you and you and, and these things that are so subtle that have nothing that are not Christ centered. These are the things that try to take the place of Christ. But don't you let anybody take the place of Christ. We can't allow that to happen. I tell you what. He says that the black horses is going north. The black horse, that's famine, that's lack. It's attacking the south side of the tabernacle. Now, this is where 
another uh, picture is found, uh, a picture of the Holy Spirit is found in the church. Uh, it's, it has to do with a, a, a candlestick. We're talking about the tabernacle of Moses. If we're, we're likening this, if we're going north to the ta this tabernacle of Moses, where here in this tabernacle, there is uh, this, this candle uh, that's represented here. Uh, the, the, the local church in, in Revelation one, let me let, let me turn there real quick. I I gotta turn there. In Revelation chapter one. There's so much here. Uh, in verse, uh, we'll start in verse ten. He says, "I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard a loud voice behind me as of a trumpet. I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having heard it, I saw. Watch this: seven golden lampstands." That's what it's talking about here in, in the tabernacle of Moses, where these lamp, this lampstand was. Lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Watch this. John was facing north before he turned around to see the voice that spoke to him. When he turned around, watch this, toward the south, he saw the Lord in the midst of the seven lampstands. The Lord is always in the midst of the church. And where he is... He fills every lack with the supply. <laughs> Watch me now. This is a picture. This picture. Black horses are going north. How do we counter that? It's by the Holy Spirit in the local church. The local church is what counters. And what does that black horse represent? Famine. Lack. How do we counter famine? How do we counter lack? The local church. We, 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 saw, we see it in the book of Acts, right? In the book of Acts, it says they had all things in common. There was not one among them that lacked. Why? Because the local church was the answer to famine and to lack. The more we are involved in the local church, the more we, we give where the Lord's telling us to give and support through service, not just financially, but through service, our time, the more you'll experience the Lord's abundant blessings. Remember what he said, the one who's planted in the house of the Lord. <laughs> He's the one that'll flourish. Let's talk about these, this, this gray horse. The gray horse is going south. This is the green horse. This is disease and death. And he's attacking the north side of this tabernacle. And then where the tabernacle of Moses is concerned, to the north, this is where the table of showbread would be found. The table of showbread is a table of the Lord's Supper. It's a picture, excuse me, of the Lord's Supper. And the key to overcoming sickness and disease is the partaking of Holy Communion. And this is where spirit, spiritual or supernatural healing can spring forth. The table of the Lord's Supper is <laughs> the most powerful thing. We got to talk about this at some point a little bit more. The table of the Lord's Supper is more powerful than nuclear weapons. Listen, it'll cause plagues to cease before you. It'll cause disease in your body to melt away. The table of the Lord. The, we got to talk about the table of the Lord at some point. It's such a powerful thing. We got to move on, though, for time's sake. Uh, if, you're sucking, if you're suffering from sickness and disease, uh, take heart because you're, you're a partaker of this holy communion. Look to Jesus. I'm telling you, the more you look to him, you'll find your spiritual healing. You'll find your natural healing. You'll find, and when this comes together, it's what we call supernatural health. You'll find it operating in your life. Let's let's move on and wrap this up. So we got the 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 black horses going north. The chariot with white horses is going west. The chariot with the green horse is going south, or the gray horse. It says in the Living Translation, but that's that green horse going south. Let's talk about the red horse. 
the red horse is not mentioned here, but we know the only side that it could, could attack is the west, right? That's the only side that's left. We don't see it mentioned here in Zechariah, but we know that that's the only place left for it to go is the west. Now, this is where the altar of incense would be found. In the tabernacle of Moses, this is where the altar of incense is found. The altar of incense, watch this, is a picture of prayer. It can be seen as Jesus offering perfect prayers to God. He who is always praying for us. We enter into his prayers. <laughs> we pray together with him according to the will of God. Watch this. When we pray in the spirit. As we pray in tongues, the enemy will depart and strife will melt away. The more we try to re rely on our own human efforts, the, that's the fewer results that we'll see. But the moment that you and I take out time to pray, I'm talking about the moment you and I, you'll put your name there, we'll put your name there. The moment that you, the moment that uh, Christian, the moment that Jesse, the moment that Luke, the moment that Ben, I mean, put your name there, like whatever your name is, the moment that, that William, the moment that, oh, just, just throw your name in there. The moment you and I come armed with the spirit, Suzanne, if that's your name, the moment you and I come into the spirit, the moment that you and I join together with him in prayer, the moment you and I, watch this, this is where the prayers of the righteous avail much. See, oh man, I hadn't seen it like that before. Because when you and I pray in the spirit, watch this, we're praying this prayer of faith. You can't pray in the spirit apart from faith. And the Bible says that the just or those who have been declared righteous will live by faith. You have never prayed a more righteous prayer than praying in the spirit. You know, this is why we got it for those who are going through in, in the Ukraine and the war that's going on there and the different things that are going on in the world. This is why we must pray in the spirit for them. Pray in the spirit. And ladies and gentlemen, let me wrap this up. Jesus, uh, we see here that Jesus is the, the four faces, man. I tell you, we, we see that Jesus is the four faces. And these four faces of Jesus, I should say, uh, represent Jesus as a servant. Uh, that's the second one. But first of all, Jesus as a king, Jesus as a servant, Jesus as a man, and Jesus as this eagle. <laughs> Jesus as God, I tell you. And we see that the, the different size that the enemy comes in, the, these horses, the, the, the white horse of false doctrine attacks the east side of the tabernacle. This is where that bronze altar is and, and, the, and the laver, the laver is found. The bronze altar is a picture of the cross of Jesus. And the laver is a picture of being washed by the water of the word. See, it, when you put it together, it's teachings that are centered around the cross. Paul said, when I came, to, I didn't know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's how you go against false doctrine. Uh, the black horse going to the north, that's famine. We see that the, the thing that overrides that, he attacks the south side. The thing that overrides that is the local church. That's what counters it. Like I said, in the early church, when they got together, there was not one of them that lacked among them. Why? Because the church is what overcomes this lack. The green horse, disease and death, attacks the north side of the tabernacle. That's a, a, a picture of the showbread, which is a picture of the Lord's Supper, communion. Overcoming sickness and disease by being a partaker of the table of the Lord. And we see that that red horse, the only place left for it to attack is the west. And we see that the, this is where the altar of incense is found. That's a picture of prayer. And when you and I pray in the spirit, we can counter 
war and strife. We can counter what the enemy means for evil when we pray in the spirit according to the will of God. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for a time in the word and some of these things that uh, have been uh, swept under the rug, things that we read over. Father, I pray that at least one or two things were able to be communicated by your spirit that gave people uh, cause to pause and to meditate on these things and not just simply throw them away, but to investigate and look into them more deeply. Father, we give you praise for every good thing that'll be done in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for these four faces of Jesus and what they reveal. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I love you so much. Thank you so much for taking out time to listen to the podcast today. Like I said, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, any place, any platform that you listen on that you're able to leave reviews. Please do that for us as it helps this word get out more. My name's Elijah Murrow. Now, don't you ever forget this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Thank you for listening to the Greater Than Podcast. To find out more, visit our website at merleministries.com.